Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. Hey, Andy. Good morning. We're doing an early one. It's, I wonder if we sound half awake. I feel like I sound like I just woke up because I did. Well, we we've let's just jump straight into this because we we've got to keep it relatively tight. You got to get off to work after this. We got a comedian out of bed in the morning. <laughs> it's it's our good friend, very funny comedian, a re- regular trivia co teammate. Co-teammate? That was, that was a tautology right there. Co-conspirator? Yeah, it's, it's obviously early. Yeah. Co-teammate with us, including us. It's Mitch Burrow. Hey, everybody. How's it going, man? It's good. Thanks for having me on this early in the morning. Thank you for Thank- making the trek out to uh, West Hollywood. <clears throat> Thanks for doing it, man. Well, I feel like you, you, you're in the military back in the day, so I feel like you still have the the being able to get up early in the morning. I think I was the only person who slept in at, at, at boot camp one time. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they're banging on the trash cans, lights, 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 and I'm I was Is that still every in, morning trash can every, banging. Yeah, oh, I mean God. it's it's obnoxious, uh, and I somehow slept through it. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst way to get woken up is like a drill instructor like hovering over your face like what is wrong with you, you better be dead if you're not awake right now so yeah I, I i'm not a morning person even then what do they do is it like 6 a.m what's the what's the boot camp uh wake I, up time i think it must have been like 5 or five thirty. um that's unreasonable <laughs> That's put me right off the military. Yeah. He, and you know, I told him that yeah. several what times. What did they say? <laughs> Guys. <laughs> I think we could, look, it's Saturday. Let's sleep in today. No, they they weren't having it. Man. How long does boot camp last? It, for the Marine Corps, it was three months. However, what? I was a little out of shape when I went. Uh, <laughs> I was out of shape before the Marine Corps, and I went right back to it afterwards. But during, I, I, I did pretty good. But I had an extra month because I couldn't do... All of the pull-ups I had to do, uh-huh. so they put me in PCP, which is physical conditioning platoon, uh-huh. and I had to do that for a month before I could jump back into regular boot camp. Oh God! Is that, do I you get in, to sleep in for PCP? I'm guessing <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was just all like all, all workout. That was it. Was God, it Sean Mio? I just I think I'm pretty sure. Sorry if I'm misattributing it, but Sean Mio, UK comic, used to have a joke about why 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 do they always attack at dawn? Why do the military always <laughs> attack at dawn? Why can't we just Get up at 10 and see who's best. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, look, you couldn't even come up with co- co-teammate properly. <laughs> People can't defend themselves early in the morning. So was that uh, everyone going to sleep at the same time, too, at least? What time do you go to sleep? Yeah, so uh, I, uh, maybe it was like uh, like 10 to 5 where the sleeping hour. It, it sh- certainly wasn't eight hours of sleep. But at night, we would all have to go into the shower together. Uh-huh. And uh, and and then brush our teeth or whatever, and then and then it was lights lights out, and you're all, you all get in the rack at the same time and and go to sleep. I guess you don't have iPhones just keeping you awake. No, no, there's there's nothing like that. I, you know, I got to be honest, I don't know what they do now. Yeah, I, I, I went to boot camp in 1998, so, so it's like pre most devices. Pre- yeah. Like my first like smart-ish phone was in Japan when I was stationed over there. I had the first like camera phone. That was it. Oh, cool. You know, and and then when I came to the states, like they were just coming out again, like two thousand three, I guess, is when they started doing it over here, early two thousand. But in like nineteen ninety nine, I had. But when I went to boot camp, 
people didn't even have cell phones. It wasn't like the norm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get my first mobile phone till till I started comedy. I I finally got it because a few promoters told me I shouldn't be just giving my parents' house phone numbers, <laughs> my, my, like only contact information for gigs. How but many how many shows did your mom book for you? <laughs> she was a pretty good agent. Yeah. She's, well, hold on, let me check his calendar. Yeah, he's available then. Yeah, he's always available. <laughs> I wish I wish he'd be less available. <laughs> <laughs> but um no, so that would have been around the maybe end of two thousand one, beginning I think beginning of two thousand two was when I got my first mobile phone. Yeah. Well, I think it was I mean, 2003, you the... but I felt like I was a super late adopter at two thousand three for some reason. Even though now it seems like that's around the same time most people got them, probably. Yeah, I resisted for a long time. Yeah, I sort I was, of avoided. I was, made it a point of pride for some dumb reason. And then eventually it just became the thing you needed to do yeah. to do the job that I wanted to do. Here's how crazy it, it was. Like, that technology was so neat to people, though. Like, because in 2003, I had one with one of the, like, four gigapixel, like, or no, whatever. When it, If I took a picture of you from a foot away, it was blurry. Okay, yeah. You right. know? But I had, like, that first camera phone. And, and I would go to nightclubs discotheques places like that uh and like if i saw a hot girl i would like pull out my camera phone and like take a picture and she would like pose yeah because they thought it was cool yeah yeah. like where now if i tried to like take a picture of a girl at a club like like, what are you doing call the cops (laughs) but like in 2003 it was like what is this fancy thing stealing my soul and i like it So, Mitch, before we get into the stories, we like to ask our guests this. What, if anything, is your background in science? Well, I have a GED. All right. Uh, so, I made it through 10th grade. Uh-huh. And then I was like, that's enough science for me. <laughs> so, whichever one was that one was. Well, did you have to do... So, presumably, in the, in the Marines, there was a level of... Did you have to learn sort of engineering skills? Was there a level of yeah, so science-y I, tech that you needed to learn for that? I was a helicopter mechanic. I, okay. Uh, I, I think the GED might throw people off sometimes. Like, I'm not a complete moron. I have like some mechanical skills. Uh-huh. Uh And then I worked for Boeing for a while, um, and and that involves quite like I had to work with engineers. I'm not an engineer myself, but uh, yeah, I got some. I got some knowledge. I guess. <laughs> are you still handy now? Are you are you good at repairing cars? Or are you good at? Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I'm I'm like a blue collar scientist, I guess. You know, right. like I uh, I I could I mount TVs. I, I do like work in people's apartments and stuff for them sometimes. Uh-huh. Like, but I uh, like there's no equations to back that stuff up. You know, I, 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 there's probably I, equations I involved like, to mount a TV. You know, well, there's of knowing the, the total. there's definitely levels of being able to map the 2D instructions to a 3D world and yeah. correctly put things in the right place. Have you ever tried to build anything off of blueprints? No, I don't think it, I have. It's the mo- like a, a lot of the aircraft that I worked on, we had blueprints and it's weird like the way they do the levels. Right, in, so it's sort of, it's sort of cross sections. Yeah, and it's like when you first look at it, it's it, it's the most confusing thing you've ever seen in your life. But then after you start using these things, it's like uh, I'm trying to think like in a movie, like a Beautiful Mind or something like that, yeah. where all of a sudden like things just start clicking, like they see things in the air. Like that's kind of like what blueprints kind of become. Right after a while of using, like everything just kind of it was like the Matrix. They just see the number scrolling down. 
right? Yeah. The symbols. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I see is green trees and, and Right. Grass. By the way, this is rubbing it into one of our listeners who uh, we've been talking for the last three episodes now, I think, about I'd say more than three. Okay. A lot of episodes about we just discovered this phenomenon called aph- aphantasia where you can't, you have no mind's eye. You can't picture things. Oh, really? Yeah. Someone says, you know, picture a boat. Maybe you picture the word boat, but not an actual physical You picture boat. the attributes that a, a boat contains, but don't necessarily, but can't actually imagine a boat in your eye. I think that is fascinating. A, another thing similar to that. So deaf, deaf people who are schizophrenic, uh-huh. uh, they don't hear voices because they've never heard voices. They will actually see hand symbols like, no like people, you're yeah. making that I swear I swear to god dude like that's a that's a true thing like deaf people who are schizophrenic will see their dogs see the paws si- the to, to kill or <laughs> I don't know I don't know if they have the dexterity to uh... but, but anyways a listener wrote in um, because of how much we talked about this to say that he realized he has a version of this but his is that he can't see in his mind in 3D he can only picture in 2D so he can't picture his family, but he can picture a photo of his family. Oh, or if he pictures his car, he just pictures like a flat. Which, I mean, doesn't seem like... I, I'm not... Uh, I don't know if he wants us to mention him by name. Der- Derek, I'll just say that. Um, but, you know, I, I'm I'm sorry for you, but that's not the worst. No, but it's also really interesting. interesting. All these things very are very interesting. Yeah, yeah. But he, he was kind of like panicking as he was hearing us talk about this. He said, uh, yeah, he would get anxious and then... He decided to talk to his doctor and therapist, and he's getting further testing. And um, yeah, let's, be, let's see what else he said. Um, How do you see in three D with your like? I was trying to think of whether I do it. I, I think yeah, I, can. I think I, think I, I yeah, I'm pretty sure I do. But but I but I it, that's interesting to say what I I completely I've never had that experience with blueprints. But there's definitely been times like for example, my, I have a mathematics degree, and when I was younger and better at the subject before it all went to shit before i forgot most of it there are definitely points where just things suddenly fall into meaning where it goes from confusion to the the sense just falls out of yeah. it it's almost it and it is like it just sort of some clicks yeah uh-huh. it, it really does click and it just suddenly becomes obvious and it it is almost like you know the idea of seeing this jumble that forms into a shape yeah or or one of those like kids painting kids pictures where you shake glitter or sand over something you put glue on and then suddenly you shake it off and there's the picture emerges. Yeah. Like the the magic eye posters. Oh, do those? That, that took me so long to get there. <laughs> I was it, I, I got good at them in the end, but it just for some reason, I just couldn't see them for the longest time. And they used to be outside the art department of my school. They had one. So every I think once a week we did art. Uh, maybe twice, but every time when we were walking in and out of the classroom, there was this magic eye poster, and I'd always go, I'd always be at the front of the line to get to the classroom so that I could then just stand outside staring at this thing for three or four minutes until it was about to be late for the lesson, and then I'd be the first one out of the classroom so I could do the same, and eventually it just suddenly clicked. Those always oh. seemed natural to me, and I couldn't understand people that couldn't control their eyes like that because I'd always stared at things that have patterns in them and made my eyes go wide or crossed until those patterns overlapped again like if you're uh, a kid who's forced to play sports and hates them as I was and you're like sitting on uh, the bench at a baseball game and there's a chain link fence in front of you oh yeah you were stared at one of those until you can make the chain the things my my parents in place but not in and then it my like parents the, upstairs toilet used to have tile a it wasn't tile it was a wallpaper that had a repeating pattern and yeah. the same thing happened without where I could I finally got good at both 
making it appear in front of the wall and making it appear behind the wall by right. either going cross-eyed or boss-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> Did like, you say boss-eyed? Yeah. I've never heard what of What is boss-eyed? Boss the opposite of cross-eyed, where that it's like... Is that yeah. boss... I, I can't do my eyes like that. Actually, is that That's what... That's how magic eye works, usually. Is that what boss-eyed means, or is it is boss-eyed... Uneven. Wall-eyed is an extreme version of the opposite of cross. Oh, actually, boss-eyed, I think, is when one eye is off. Okay. So my, but, magic eye doesn't work by crossing your eyes. It works by looking through, focusing on a point beyond the page, which is the same as making your eyes... But you can do it the other camera. way around. You can actually do magic but, eye pictures... But the depth reverses. Yeah, exactly. You can do it cross-eyed, too. Um, exploring... Ha- uh, by the way, a study in 2007, exploring how deaf people hear voice hallucinations. Okay, yeah. A UCL study published in the 20, 2007 issue of Cognitive Neuropsychiatry systematically explores the perceptual characteristics of voice hallucinations in deaf people with schizophrenia for the first time. Dr. Joanna Atkinson has garnered data from 27 deaf participants with experience of voice hallucinations to try to determine how they experience the hallucinations depending on the individual's hearing loss and language background. Earlier research has suggested that born profoundly deaf people might experience true auditory hallucinations. However, the collection and interpretation of data had relied on non-native signers or hearing researchers using sign language interpreters. This study breaks new sound by using more ecologically valid methodology to confirm that true auditory hallucinations were confined to deaf individuals who were at, at some point in their lives had experienced hearing. Dr. Atkinson, who herself is a deaf British sign language user, aimed to elucidate the variety of voice hallucination perceived by deaf people. She says, particular attention was paid to deconstructing concepts that might be misconstrued as true auditory to those unfamiliar with the subtleties of BSL, that's British Sign Language, and deaf conceptualizations of sound-based phenomena. Deaf people frequently use signs such as heard, shout, voices, and talk without necessarily bestowing the auditory qualities assumed in English. Okay, so she's saying that previous studies, there was a sort of misunderstanding from the researchers because they weren't themselves deaf and sign language users. They misinterpreted what these deaf people with schizophrenia meant by when they by saying things like heard um concepts such as loud may be understood as being highly intrusive and difficult to ignore rather than having a high auditory volume therefore it was imperative that questions about auditory phenomena were appraised to create an accurate picture of their voice hallucinations all the participants had a primary medical diagnosis of schizophrenia had permanent deafness either congenital or acquired and clear recollection of their voice hallucinations over the past two years Hearing loss amongst the participants ranged from mild to profound. They were shown a series of 94 cards describing and illustrating possible voice hallucination perceptions, such as voice uses sign language and voices in front of me, and asked how closely they matched their experiences. Dr. Atkinson's team then collated the results into five factors according to their perceptions. Participants born profoundly deaf reported non-auditory, clear and easy to understand voices. They were all confident that they didn't hear any sounds, but knew the gender and identity of the voice. They reported seeing an image of the voice signing or lips moving in their mind. Wow. Boom. (laughs) By contrast, only participants who had early experience of hearing speech described their experiences in auditory terms. Others with partial awareness of sound were uncertain whether they were really hearing sound when the voices were present. Individuals with severe language deprivation and incomplete acquisition of either sign or speech were remarkable in that they did not experience either auditory characteristics or perception of subvisual imagery of voice articulation, suggesting that the language acquisition within a critical period may be necessary for voice hallucinations that are organized in terms of how spoken or signed utterances are articulated. So I guess you have to learn either sign language or learning to speak early on in life 
for schizophrenia later to give you clear versions of See, these hallucinations. I was taking it as you have to have language to have schizophrenia. Right. <laughs> like, I think that's one of the causes. I think no. I think you can still have it. Talk. But the only two participants able to make extensive attributions about auditory pro- properties were partially deaf and able to communicate fluently in spoken English. So Dr. Atkinson concluded. The results support the notion that the perceptual characteristics of voice hallucinations map closely onto an individual's real-life communication preferences and experience of language and sound. The methodology demonstrates that the diversity of voice hallucination experience reflects the variety of experience with language and hearing loss amongst deaf individuals. While these findings may appear intuitive and unsurprising, it does represent a significant shift away from the incongruent notion that individuals born profoundly deaf might hear truly auditory voice hallucinations despite a lack of experience with sound. So yeah, I guess it, it, I guess it should be that that clarifies it too. Like you have to have never been able to hear before. Right. Because people who have who went deaf apparently if they suffer from schizophrenia do start to hear in their mind. Yes. But if you've never experienced that then seeing the symbols in front of the hand gestures in front of you is how it goes. Yeah, as I thought about it, I got to a realization that was profound, but I can't quite articulate it in that, like, of course, deaf people wouldn't see signing the way we do, which is just hands do it like it would get to this other level oh it's in the same way that sound that it's fully a language in its own yeah we we don't but like you you could also make it it, and also the language the earlier you learn it in life the more native it is so when again when we hear um when we hear a language that we were raised with from very very young we don't think oh this is a verb this is a adverb we don't think about the grammar or the vocab we just hear it's very intuitive whereas if it's a language you learn later in life you're thinking like, all right, that's the participle. So this is means to, they caught rather than catch the bull. Right. And imagine a species of aliens who communicate telepathically and still have the, the concept of communication and know what that means. And then you tell them some people in our species have this thing where their brain manufactures the effect of, of air having compressions and rarefactions hitting the side of their head in certain be- like, right which is you know sound is as crazy a thing as hands moving to um, s- communicate in- Moshe's interesting Mo- friend of the show Moshe Kasha talks in his book because he he was raised with two deaf parents mm. so he talks about how his fluency with American Sign Language is like someone who was raised from who was raised deaf he has like absolute it's fluency. A, yeah, it's it's, it's just a natural Do you think they were disappointed in him for hearing? <laughs> I don't know. There there's a, a there's a pride thing with like we actually, deaf people. Yeah. We weirdly talked about this in last week's episode where there are people who they refuse the, to get the cochlear Im, co- cochlear, cochlear, implants. cochlear implants. Yeah, there's a lot and, of that because yeah, there is there is a big division in the deaf community as whether it's an identity and if you're actually to some people that you're going like, "No, what are you doing? You're you're not giving me an extra ability you're actually destroying my community you're taking right, me right right we should recommend by the way if people haven't read moshe's book cashier in the rye it's really great and i don't know if we it's yeah i don't know if we plugged it when moshe it was on the show but it was great very um, interesting memoir kind of with the in in line with the schizophrenia thing have either of you ever heard of exploding head syndrome uh no i don't think so <laughs> it's not what it sounds like like <laughs> good, you're not good. just walking around but uh have you ever like heard like a loud bang just out of nowhere like you, you'll you'll be in a silent room or something and you'll just hear like a i don't think i have i've had like one ear suddenly go quiet or ring out of nowhere or something no it's, but, it's uh, not like that it's like 
uh, or have you ever heard your name being called? Mm, not when it's not being called. I don't <laughs> <laughs> well, this is like a, a, a thing uh, where you just like if you're inside, you just hear like these loud bangs. And I don't know if it's like a precursor to schizophrenia or hearing voices or what, but uh, there's, um, there's no explanation for it. Like where it, it is a benign alternately termed episodic cranial sensory shock it's a benign condition in which a person experiences unreal noises that are loud and short like a bomb exploding or a gunshot when falling asleep or waking up yeah these noises oh. are often jarring or frightening for the person neither the cause nor the mechanism is known though harmless and in and of itself these episodes have been known to create distress or impairment in the lives of individuals yeah i experienced it for a while and uh i, th- I thought i might be th- I, th- I think the, what's interesting is they say there's how did it word it where it's not it's benign it's not yeah. there's no I don't think it has I don't think it does have any connection to anything like schizophrenia it looks like but it's, it does make you think you're going crazy right there it's not known what the causes are but there are theories the most prevalent cause is dysfunction of the reticular formation in the brain stem responsible for the transition between waking and sleeping other theories into causes include minor seizures affecting the temporal lobe. Ear dysfunctions, including sudden shifts in the middle ear components or the eustachian tube, uh, stress and anxiety, variable and broken sleep, antidepressant discontinuation syndrome, or temporary calcium channel dysfunction. See, I'm going to go with the sleep thing because I was doing when I worked at Boeing, I had to wake up at like again like five five o'clock in the morning, and I was doing comedy till midnight sometimes. Right. So those nights when I was getting like four hours of sleep, that was the time period where I was experiencing that. So I, I bet it is like it, it, it does like exhaustion and anxiety and sleep deprivation all kind of play a, a Interesting. part in that. By the way, well, sorry, what were you going to say, Andy? Uh, I've had a version, I guess I haven't noticed the sound aspect, but I've had just weird sleep things in the last few years where like in the first hour of falling asleep, I'll have a jerk that wakes me up even more than... Oh, that's pretty typical. common. Not just like little... No, but I mean like for a while it would be like I'll sleep half an hour and then be jerked wide awake oh. at the start of every night of sleep, which is kind of annoying, but... Uh, um, by the way, we got a... Uh, because it also mentions the, um, the calcium channel. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the caloric brainstem test, which is the one where you pour different temperatures of water in someone's ear and they react um about peter lipchi's email well i was about to say flavia forteza who is our friendly go-to molecular biologist i think she is with an expert in tropical diseases she works with uh, ebola patients mm-hmm. uh so if we ever have any ebola stories she's our she's our person but said uh she links to a youtube video that we'll link to in the show notes but also says, here's a pretty good video. YouTube is filled with really bad ones with students not doing it right. Well, you can't really see it. But she says, so it causes your eyes to move. You put water of a different temperature in, uh, and it can cause nausea as well. If you put water of different temperature in different ears. But she says, in the ICU, we only do it on unconscious patients along with a series of other tests to determine brainstem death. Oh, It's really awesome because it's a pretty simple and straightforward to do. Uh, it's pretty simple and straightforward to do and will tell you something otherwise pretty impossible to see on scans and imaging unless there is physical trauma. And then Peter Lipschi also wrote in to say that, that it's not just that there is that eye movement and there is dizziness, but that the dizziness causes the eye movement. And if you look at the eyes of someone who's dizzy, if they think the world's spinning, their eyes are actually doing that 
So he also said, uh, try this at home. Abduct a niece or nephew, tie them to a chair that you can spin. <laughs> spin them for a good 30 seconds. When you stop them, look into their eyes. The amount of eye movement is directly proportional to how dizzy they feel. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? When you look back, yeah. Off, yeah, when you think that, yeah. So they see the world turning, but it's just their eyes doing that. So thing. just for the people who didn't hear the, le- the episode a few, few weeks ago when we talked about it, the description under the video that Flavia linked to said, this test stimulates your acoustic nerve by delivering cold or warm water or air into your ear canal. When cold water or air enters your ear and the inner ear changes temperature, it should cause fast side-to-side eye movements called uh, nystigmus. Uh, Nystagmus, I think it is, rather. The test is done in the following way. Before the test, your ear, especially the eardrum, will be checked. This is to make sure it's normal. One ear is tested at a time. A small amount of cold water or air is gently delivered into one of your ears. Your eyes should show an involuntary movement called nystagmus. Then they should turn away from that ear and so they should turn away from that ear and slowly back. If water is used, it's allowed to drain out of the ear canal. Next, a small amount of warm water or air is gently delivered into the same ear. Again, your ear, your eyes should show nystagmus. Then they should turn towards that ear, towards that ear, and slowly back. Your other ear is tested in the same way. So this shows brainstem death do in we, an unconscious patient. Do we have any friends that we would? want to test this out on just <laughs> like just to make sure they're still with us <laughs> i can think of a few yeah <laughs> names um but sure but yeah thank you both of you for writing in with that i like the the, the spinning them in a circle i think talking about stealing a niece or nephew and doing yeah. it like i should have known that i was gonna have some kind of uh like alcoholism or something <laughs> because as a kid i loved to spin. I think every kid loves until, to yeah, alter their conscience. I did it a lot. Hold their breath and stand up and like do. I also, like I also was drinking at the same time. Oh, okay. so. <laughs> That's what made you spin, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can just picture like ten-year-old Mitch at the end of a bar stool, like spin me again, getting into my my pappy's moonshine. Yeah, Mitch, you're cutting off. No more spinning for you. I said, spin me. <laughs> oh man. Uh, <laughs> I could, I can. You can't drive. You've been spinning all night. I can drive. Get into my little hot wheel, big wheel. <laughs> Did you ever have one of those? The big wheels with. Oh, the, yeah, are those the ones that the big wheel is the tricycle? With oh, the, yeah, yeah, the front yeah. wheel is huge. What's and, the rich kid thing called that actually has some kind of motor in it? Uh, God, what are those? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's like a. Had one they have jeeps had one. and dude. Doing handyman work for people, I got hired to go go to somebody's Beverly Hills condo, and they had a, a Mercedes. Oh fuck those kids! Uh, AMG SUV uh, pow- Power Wheels. That's oh, what yeah, they were yeah. called. Pow, pow, power Wheels. Yeah. <laughs> power makes them go. Oh, oh. <laughs> is that what they had really said? It did, I think it said power makes them go. It went pow, pow, power wheels. Pow, pow, power wheels. Power makes them go. You know what? Uh, I fall off on lyrics after the the first three lines, so I, I wouldn't know. There's not a I single song that I'm able to up. get past without seeing the lyrics. But yeah, I, I didn't have I ain't one of those Power Wheels kids. Oh, I had I wanted to go go back a little bit to uh, the the guy who couldn't see 3D. When you if you close your eyes, can you picture color? Can he? I don't know. Or can, can, can you? I? Oh, I can. Can you not? I can't. I I see black. And I can't picture like green or blue or, or whatever. Oh, that's interesting. 
I can yeah. definitely a picture of color. Yeah, I can. I just you can. To check. And you, so you get, you can close your eye and you'll, you can. I just see. tried it just now, and I could, uh, yeah, I could. I'm picturing green right now, and now I'm picturing blue. Now red. But how uh-huh. do you know your green is my green, man? What if it's like, <laughs> oh, you still call it green, but like, who's <laughs> Dave there? <laughs> what is that from? Uh, it's Cheech and Chong's gotcha. Oh. Um, oh, uh, we should probably. We've been not covering volcano news, and there's been a lot of it. There's been a lot of volcano news. Not firstly, not, not what cheery, a but, couple um, of people did pointed you? out that the volcano in Hawaii is only a very. That there was a picture that was going around an image that pointed out it was like what people think the Hawa- the volcano is covering in Hawaii and it's like all over the islands and it's and it's actually just this tiny, tiny sliver area. but uh, it's still yeah. very serious did you see the guy in Hawaii uh, that pulled his gun out on some people like because they're afraid of looters no so he pulled his gun out and he was like you need to you need to get out of here and it turned out like they actually lived in the neighborhood and they were like we're just going to get our stuff and he was like I don't care get out of here <laughs> like because like people are going it's like it's like Katrina oh, they, were going to fl- they were going to get their own stuff out of their house to and get he, away he, from yeah he, he thought that it, they were because they, they were young so he thought they were coming in to either he's also like it's for your your own your own safety like yeah. he was trying to warn them to like get away from the volcano but yeah like it like people in that little area are it's going it's, insane it, it sounds like he's probably a surfer he's probably like we we grew here you flew here <laughs> They're not as chill as the people want to make them out to be, those uh, surfers. Um, so before we get to modern volcano stories, we had, uh, I think Justin Broad sent the Pompeii story? Who I think it? so. I'll check in a second. I think but a couple of people might have done, but definitely I saw one from Justin. Officials at the Pompeii archaeological site have announced the dramatic discovery of the skeleton of a man crushed by an enormous stone while trying to flee the explosion on Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD. Uh, Tim Higgs also sent in the okay. definitely sent it in. The the man who may have, may have he's escaped. a geologist from Australia. Oh, cool! Uh, this man may have escaped the initial violence of Vesuvius in the ancient city of Pompeii, only to be crushed by a block of stone hurtling through a lethal volcanic cloud. Oh, that sucks! This thing is giant. It's like the size of a refrigerator. Yeah, look at this. Here's the picture, Mitch. It's a massive stone just on top of a skeleton. It looks like it was part of some structure. Like is it it's just, man cut to be a rectangular prism? Is it just on his head too? <laughs> yeah, it perfectly. It, it pretty much is. Yeah, it's like it's like action movie. Look at that! Look at that other angle. Look at am the I, reverse angle shot. Am I crazy? That guy has some long ass legs. <laughs> like I, when I pictured the people, this uh, is worth looking up for the picture people. If you well, want. again, we link to this, it like looks, all the stories in the show notes, and on probably fake. not to make fun of the death of someone 2,000 years ago, but... Um, I think it's fine. Okay. We got <laughs> like, I don't think we're going to offend any of the family. Where are we on the comedy plus tragedy? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that looks Comedy like minus tra- time <laughs> equals tragedy? Um, Square could, root of distance... Oh, is it, oh I, don't, <laughs> I don't have a formula for... Yeah. Could you imagine you're running away? You, you made it. The lava is is yeah. behind you, yeah. and yeah. then just bam, a fucking rock. It just wasn't that guy's day. No. Yeah, he probably walked in on his wife sleeping with their neighbor earlier in the day. Like things were just going bad so, for him. So he had he was at least thirty years old, according to the archaeologists, and he had his thorax crushed in the impact. The victim's head has not yet been found. <laughs> Officials, I don't know if we should dedicate too many resources to. Uh, I don't know if find that happen. head. Yeah. <laughs> we need to find the whole skeleton before we can bring it back alive. <laughs> the victim's uh, head not being found. Officials said the man suffered an infection of the tibia, which may have caused walking difficulties, impeding his escape. God damn it! Yeah. So if he didn't have that limp, 
Uh, it, he, he, been, he just needed to be a, a few feet further. A few feet further, and it would have like it would have cr- crashed to earth behind him, and he would have said whatever Latin is for few. Lucky break. <laughs> or if he'd had more of a limp, he also would have been fine. Would have been like, look at that. That's true. It would have crashed in front of him. Yeah. Do you guys ever listen to Stuff You Should Know podcast? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, they did an amazing episode of uh, of the eruption, and like they go from like. When it, when they started having the earthquakes all all through the end, it's really fascinating to hear like what those people were experiencing. Oh, I don't know. There were like precursor earthquakes in Pompeii. Yeah, so people probably suspected something was going to come. Or? Yeah, and and there was apparently communication going on like from one spot to the other, like telling because like people wrote about it and they had received letters. Like I have oh, no, no idea shit. how they wow. were communicating. Listen to this. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. And then someone did like a video. Where they show like the the time lapse of it, like yeah. how it occurred. It, oh, that's cool. I want to see that. I don't think it was one of those like you picture a, a volcano exploding. I think like uh, what was the one in 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 uh, Oregon? Uh, uh, Mount St. Helens. Yeah, where it blew the side of the mountain off. I don't think this was like that. I think the main the main cause of death was the pyroclastic flow, which actually brings us to the next story we're going to talk about. Yeah, but boring. also Stu Holding also sent in the Pompeii story. Thanks, Stu. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, so the Guatemala eruption that's killed 62 people so far is different from the, the Hawaii stuff we're seeing because, yeah, Hawaii, we're just seeing spurting lava. It's really dramatic looking, but... Um, Guatemala has killed 62 people since Sunday. Jesus. Uh, we will not be joking about that. Um, it has not been 2,000 years yet. Um, but Hawaii has not killed anyone, but is slowly wreaking havoc over a month later. So, so, so yeah. What is this thing that you... Pyroclastic flow. It's a nasty mix of ash, rock, and volcanic gases that can be much more dangerous than lava. In Guatemala, pyroclastic flow from Sunday's eruption topped 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, yeah, the eruption at Which Fuego, is 1,000 degrees Celsius, which is pretty hot. Yeah. That's pretty damn hot. Um, the eruption at Fuego is explosive, sending hot debris down the steep sides of the volcano to make the pyroclastic flows, said Eric W. Clemetti, associate professor of geosciences at Denison University. He said pyroclastic flows can tumble down a volcano at hundreds of kilometers per hour, way faster than what people can people and even cars could outrun. By contrast, Kilauea produces lava that typically creeps along at maybe hundreds of meters per hour, not nearly fast enough as devastating pyroclastic flow. So it's just this cloud of inescapable, hot death with rocks yeah, yeah. mixed in. That's going to be the name of my mixtape. Inescapable Pyro- hot Pyroclastic death. flow. It's <laughs> a pretty good name. Yeah, it's got the word flow in it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Oh yeah, there's, there's a there's video of this on some the in a tweet that's linked to from the CNN article, and you see the speed at which this thing comes down. It's described. Yeah, so I think that's this, probably what Pompeii was like then. Yeah, so it's described uh, by this. Uh, by Dr. Janine Cripper in this tweet as rapid avalanches of hot gas and rock ranging from ash size like sand to boulders and anything they pick up like trees and, and cars. God. They're devastating and deadly. Yeah, so it, it it really is. It looks like, if you look at this video, it looks like an avalanche, but an avalanche of fire rather than snow. And looking at that... just destroys everything in its wake. Like that video, you, you look at the lava flow in Hawaii, it looks kind of beautiful and... And awesome. That looks ominous. Yeah, this. That, I mean, this looks. That it, is a doomsday apocalypse looking event. <laughs> yeah. 
Whereas lava flow is just like, look, it's beautiful. Like you, 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 yeah. you realize it's destructive. Lava and- flow is so nice that people, they then had to warn people not to play with the lava. <laughs> I like, like there was the story that came out two days ago with like, don't roast marshmallows oh, over. God, yeah. I do. I'm glad that that's happened because as a redneck from Georgia, <laughs> when the hurricane was coming and people were like, don't shoot your guns at the hurricane. <laughs> I was like, all right, like you don't need to tell us that. I feel like that's like people in, in Hawaii don't need to be told not to roast marshmallows over lava. But it was, it was, I think the story was actually, that was in response to a specific question where someone had actually directly asked, can we roast marshmallows over? But then again, I have spent a fair amount of time looking up YouTube videos of things being overtaken by lava. They're pretty fun. Like someone puts a Coke, a full Coke can next to slowly creeping lava and you can watch it in time Just lapse. Melt. get Or explode once the, like the, yeah. It's pretty fun. As long as you're... It's keeping your distance. And- what do you think would be the coolest thing to have lava like that so you could set th- down? This and channel go- has done it. There's someone who does that. Like, <laughs> if you can think of a cool thing, it's been anyone done done a s- pressurized thing. Has anyone done a snowman? Uh, I don't think a snowman, but I think someone put a GoPro. I think my uh, my fourth stepmother. That's what I would... <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of stepmoms. That's, she wasn't even the last one. Oh, God. <laughs> you stay in touch with the next stepmom? How does that work? <laughs> yeah, you, you stay in touch with the first one, and you and you talk to the the last, the current, the current one. Of course, the current but one. The, but second through four or five, I've, I've lost count at this point, to be honest. Like, yeah, whatever. Is the feeling mutual if, you, if, we, if she was in the podcast, but she'd be talking about her fourth you know, stepson? I actually ran into one of them because... I have a half sister that I was hanging out with, and she invited her mom, and she she actually apologized for being mean to me. Oh wow, that's Growing, nice. Which, by the way, was very vindicate. Like I was like, I fucking knew it. I knew you were being mean. Like, there's always that thought in your head. Like, maybe I was just being a brat. But when she admitted it, no, no, it was I idea. was like, yeah, you were a bitch. I fucking. <laughs> I got an apology it, from. I got the... some science behind that. <laughs> so wow, this thing. These villages in Guatemala were overwhelmed by ash, lava fragments, and gases speeding towards them at 435 miles an hour. Which is 700 so, kilometers so an hour. counterintuitive to me, or not counterintuitive, but like, just thinking about the terminal velocity of most things that you just drop, and how much faster that is than just things falling through the air. What is it, 210? I mean, it depends on what the, what the object is, but um, for humans, I think it's under 200 miles an hour. But it's powered by, it has so much heat, so there's so much energy involved in it, that yeah. I imagine it's powering it in these rotational currents. It's not That's my guess, gravity. anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's far from just gravity. Fast. I assumed it was just the volcano god was throwing it very fast. Right. So. Pr- pretty much what it is. And the other, there's another danger as well that Guatemala has, so the bigger issue with pyrocrastic flows is they can be turned into volcanic mud flows, or lajas, I've never heard that word before, L-A-H-A-R-S, when the loose uh, debris mixes with rain and river waters, and that's the new danger of Fuego right now. Well, this is, a, this is a lot better than the previous danger, which was the fear that it, if we had too many uh, military uh, people on there, that the island would tip over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, they th- have they considered sending Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan? Joe versus the volcano. Wait a second. Where's Guatemala? That's South America, right? Yep. Yeah, that's not an island. I was thinking of Guam. Okay. Oh, I was going to say, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Guatemala is uh, just north of Nicaragua, I believe, and touches San Salvador also. No, I'm sorry. It's uh, it's a couple countries north. It's north of El Salvador and Honduras. I've been to Costa Rica. They have a, a volcano as well. 
Um, but is this like a, one of those volcanoes that you could go to the crest and like look down and see lava, or is it like Mount San where it, it just appears to be a mountain? I'm looking it up right now to see the latest. Should we do more stories about human devastate or that was devastation from that was the, the planet fucking us over? The story about us fucking the planet over. Nelson Sommerfeld sent this on Facebook. But humans are just point zero zero sorry, point zero one percent of all life, but have destroyed eighty three percent of wild mammals, according to no, the study. No, we haven't. What? Eighty three percent. I am. Gonna... Oh, that's like since the dawn of time. Yeah. Not like modern human. Not like the last. No, this week. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see John Oliver talk about that. Like, if this is like blaming us for shit that you read about in like Guns, Germs, and Steel, where we're late arrivers as a species to Australia, and then we can just walk up to huge dumb animals and conk them on the head, like, yeah, well, the, uh, you can't expect ancient humans to know. We, we can't conk them all in the head right now because they're all going to be gone. But Right. This is an interesting one in general. So the world's 7.6 billion people represent just 0.01% of all living things, according to the study. Yet since the dawn of civilization, humanity has caused the loss of 83% of all wild mammals and half of plants, while livestock kept by humans abounds. The new work is the first comprehensive estimate of the weight of every class of living creature and overturns some long-held assumptions. So this is the more interesting bit of the story to me. Bacteria are indeed a major life form, 13% of everything, but plants overshadow everything, representing 82% of all living matter. All other creatures, from insects to fungi to fish and animals, make up just 5% of the world's biomass. Another surprise is that the teeming life revealed in the oceans by the recent BBC television series Blue Planet turn out to represent just 1% of all biomass. Ocean life? Ocean life is just 1% of all biomass. The vast majority of life is land-based, and a large chunk, an eighth, is bacteria buried deep below the surface. An eighth by mass? Yeah. Wow. The uh, the plant life was 82%? 82% of all living matter on the earth. We'll take care of that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, give us a few more years. I've been keeping plants in my apartment, not knowing that I'm contributing. They're already doing fine. I don't know why I'm encouraging them. <laughs> You're letting them take over. I'm nurturing. It's, it's their plant. This thing that's already the... They're already the leaders. It's like uh, M Night Shyamalan's The Happening. They're, they're just... Oh my god! I still haven't. I know that. I, I know what the twist is, but I still haven't seen it. Is it worth? I uh, haven't seen. No, it. it's, it's not fun to watch Mark Wahlberg yell at a plant. No, it's so bad. It's the trees. <laughs> the trees are killing. Doesn't he try to like negotiate with like a, pl- a? I thought there was a scene where he's like begging a plant to not kill and, humans or something. Yeah, and I'll say this: as a person who suffers from like hay fever and allergy, like pollen. Like really, like I took that movie very seriously. <laughs> so I, I was like, "Yeah, man, they're, they're pretty much doing it to me I'm once a to year." Take us down. <laughs> Is that your Mark Wahlberg? That's all I'll do. I'm not going to try to. It's just strictly uh, that's Daniel Van Kirk's territory. I'm not going to step uh, in. His, uh... It was solid. It was Thank a... you. So, Professor, if I did it anymore. You'd say it wasn't solid. Give me that tiny bit. It sounded okay. So, Professor Ron Milo, who led the study, um, said, "I was shocked to find there was there wasn't already a comprehensive holistic estimate of all the different components of biomass." I would hope this gives people a perspective on the very dominant role that humanity now plays on Earth, adding that he now chooses to eat less meat due to the huge environmental impact of livestock. There was another actual, there was another story that came out a couple of days ago. I don't, we, I'm not sure we've got time to cover this as well, but there's been a new study on the effects of people's diets on the planet that again concluded that... Meat is if, great. 
Yeah, exactly. Basically, <laughs> if we delicious. if humans cut out the vast majority of both meat and dairy products, we would do a huge amount to reverse any global warming, any climate change. I, without even doing any other? Pretty much. Well, it's I, a lot. I have no problem like hunting and fishing and, and acquiring meat that way. But I will be complete. There was a time I'm I'm eating burgers again now, but I cut out beef for a while because just the thought of what cows are is so weird to me. Uh huh. Like first of all, cows in particular, there's not, not pigs. There's no well, yeah, any kind of livestock. Okay. But focusing on on cattle because first of all, there's no cows in nature. You know, we I think it was around like the 1700s. We we bred these things specifically for what we want. And then this is every cow that's in existence is in captivity and it's born and right to to be food. Like, that's just such an odd thing. It's kind of creepy. It's like the thought of like aliens coming down and abducting us for an energy source or well, whatever. Yeah. It even says there's there's elements of this in this story. The transformation of the planet by human activity has led scientists to the brink of declaring a new geological era the Anthropocene. One suggested marker for this change are the bones of the domestic chicken, now ubiquitous across the globe. The new work reveals that farm poultry today makes up 70% of all birds on the planet, with just 30 being wild. 70? What? 70% of all birds on the planet are farmed poultry. Not by mass, but just by number of, of, of individuals? I don't or know. By... It doesn't say in this article, unfortunately. But... E- Either I, way, I believe it more by mass, but if it's just numbers of them, and that's fucking crazy. You mean yeah. like w- when you just say mass, you mean like I mean, weight like, and yeah, because si- like we're we're because I guess turkeys are much heavier than sort of a lot of like larks and be, starlings, most meaty and uh, things that fly around a lot. Are, the yeah. the picture is even more stark for mammals. Sixty percent of all mammals on Earth are livestock. I think this is by numbers, mostly cattle and pigs. Thirty six are human, and just four percent of mammals on Earth are wild animals. It's pretty staggering, says Milo. In the wildlife films, we see flocks of birds of every kind in vast amounts. And when we did the analysis, we found there are far more domesticated birds. Um, The destruction of wild habitat for farming, logging, and development has resulted in the start of what many scientists consider the sixth mass extinction of life to occur in the Earth's four billion year history. About half of of Earth's animals are thought to have been lost in the last 50 years. Jesus. By By comparison of the new estimates with those for the time before humans became farmers and the Industrial Revolution began, reveal the full extent of the huge decline. Just one-sixth of wild, a- of wild mammals, from mice to element- elephants, remain, surprising even the scientists. So, in-, oh, in the oceans, just three centuries of whaling have left just a fifth of marine mammals in the ocean. Well, that, that counters what I was going to say. Uh, the whaling thing is... Uh, I-, I was going to say, all right, so imagine if we didn't have any of this farmland any any of this ranch land that we have for like our cattle and stuff like that that's so much more land for animals to to graze and do whatever they they do to breed and and produce more and if we just got our meat from from hunting and and fishing that that those numbers would be drastically higher than four percent because we wouldn't like we we well but when we when we remove their land and like push them back Mm -hmm. like that that prevents them from being able to grow and expand. So if all of that like ranch land and stuff that we have cattle on in, in Oklahoma and Montana and places like that, the wild animals would be able to, to breed right. and expand more. Well, also part, part of the, the craziness of that stat, and I, and I will read something that counters what I'm about to say, but part of the reason 
when that thing that it did really surprise me the percentage of mammals and percentage of birds that are domesticated and yeah, bred for food crazy. rather than wild. But a lot of what creates that massive imbalance isn't the fact that we've shrunk the number of wild animals. It's the fact that we've massively raised the number of domesticated yeah, animals. Yeah, yeah. So that that does skew things. But apparently since the rise of human civilization, while this is what we've lost, we've lost 83% of wild mammals, 80% of marine mammals. That's, again, a lot. That's crazier than the 50, first one. 50% of plants and 15% of fish. The whaling industry is the one that, like, that that's, yeah, that's one that you're like, why are we doing that? And dolphins, I guess that, you know, they now have advertised dolphin-friendly tuna, but it used to be just, you know, they just dredged the ocean and... Did you guys watch that uh, documentary, The Cove, that came out a oh, no, few no, 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 no. years ago? Man, if you want to cry... It's something that's not about people. Like that's the one, man. Like, what's the, the? Can you summarize it quickly? Yeah. So there's this. There's like a season in Japan. In this area of Japan, there's a cove where they use uh, like auditory sounds to push uh, dolphins into this cove and gather them, and then they just slaughter them for meat. For meat, yeah. Like dolphin meat is like a, a delicacy. In, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't, in Japan, I didn't know anybody ate dolphin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it happens like once a year. Is like a huge thing that they do, and this ocean cove turns red with the blood of, of the dolphins. Like it's pretty brutal, and it's it's to- it's extremely depressing. And the whole point of the documentary was to get awareness and kind of get people to to push Japan to put some legislation down so that they don't do this anymore. But it doesn't appear to be working at all. Like I it, I meant to watch that. Didn't that win the Oscar for documentary? I believe it did. And did that uh, sort of karmically make up for the fact that um, who's the guy that Fisher Stevens who uh, produced it <laughs> played that brown face character in Short Circuit? Uh, he produced it. Yeah, he won an Oscar <clears throat> for the Cove. And growing up, I never knew that guy was an Indian. And then, like when I found that out, I'm like, oh my god, that's that is fuck. I mean, well, did you see be, Short Circuit? To be fair, in 1985, <laughs> there were no Indian actors in the United States, I guess, so they sure. had to do yeah. a thing. <laughs> yeah, that India was just it was just a theory at that point. <laughs> it was just something that was proposed by some scientists, but it had never been confirmed. The concept of India. <laughs> so, so it Milo, the the scientist of this study, says it's definitely striking a disproportionate place on Earth. When I do a puzzle with my daughters, there's usually an elephant next to a giraffe next to a rhino. But if I was trying to give them a more realistic sense of the world, it would be a cow next to a cow next to a cow and then a chicken. <laughs> Despite humanity's supremacy in weight terms, Homo sapiens is puny. Viruses alone have a combined weight three times that of humans, as do worms. Ugh. Fish are 12 times greater than people and fungi are t- 200 times as large. By mass. But then again, there's like mushrooms that are like entire acres underground, right? Or fungi. Right. Or All right. I'm looking at that picture. What is the spider one well it's all insects crustaceans and spiders have a biomass that 17 that 17 times that of humans and then 200 times more for fungi and then 1200 times more bacteria and 7500 times more plants that makes sense trees are fucking heavy and then again like same deal like eating a switching to a plant-based diet we listen if you listen back to the episode i did in denver with pete newton dr pete newton who's an environmental scientist as well he goes more into why a lot of uh, the the biggest change anyone can make is, uh, if not fully, but at least 
just cutting meat and dairy out of your diet as much as you can does yeah. make a huge difference. Well, that's not going to work for keto. Because keto is basically bacon and eggs and cheese all day long. Keto is like just a variant of Atkins, sort of? Uh, yeah, it's a zero-carb. Well, it's not zero-carb, but it's a very low-carb yeah. diet. So no bread or sugar or anything You could like still that. do that with like tofu and seitan and various pulses, couldn't you? I'm Googling vegan keto to see if that's a thing. Uh, well, the problem is a lot of, of vegetables have starch. And that's the thing you can't do you, in keto? Yeah, like you can't... Or starchy, starchy vegetables, so like... Basically, anything that's grown underground, you you can't you can't do. Oh, interesting. Uh, and then the, no fruits. Fruits have too much sugar, so mm-hmm. you you can't do fruit either. Are you I'll, doing keto? What's, how, what's your yeah? I'm, I'm, to tr- it? I'm trying to. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm gonna see if it works. Is that one of those diets where like it's all or nothing? Like if you don't do the tiniest, if you if you yeah, consume but, the tiniest bit of carbs, your body will be like, "Fuck, I'm grabbing this." And so I'm the fact that I showed up today with donut holes is a <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a real son of a bitch. Uh, it's your body goes into ketosis, is is what happens. So and you it takes it takes like a week a week to two weeks for it to like take effect. But then once it happens, it just, your body just starts burning fat because it's not getting any other really any of the available any of the sugars and, and and carbohydrates. And that's a big thing, like. Do you then also have to make sure you have breath mints on you at all times because ketosis is meant to be bad for? I've heard. Oh, really? I've heard that it it can make you smell smell weird, right? Yeah, but uh, I've never because you're it. giving off ketones. I've never made it far enough. To You've find never it. got to the ketosis I part. Fucking, I love bread, dude. <laughs> like I like I eat bread sandwiches, man. Like I just it's it's good. Hang on, is a bread sandwich just two a piece of bread between two pieces of bread? That's it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not two pieces of bread. You got to put that Third other piece thing. in between. Is it a different kind of bread? It's like white rye. White. I mean, I ain't fancy, dude. Okay. You know, I just like white bread. So that's well, you, it. Matt, you were saying you smell ketones as if you know what those are smelly things. Is that a thing that is known? that ketones are smelly? Or what? Yeah, I'm trying to remember from sc- s- s- high school chemistry, but yeah, ketones. I didn't c- know that. Cause, oh, God, I'm trying to remember now which... They're all similar molecule groups. There's the alcohol group, the aldehydes, and the ketones, and I can never remember which one... When you oxidize one, you get one, and when you... Oh, and that's another thing. Speaking of alcohol, I can't drink beer. Oh, oh right, yeah, of because not. there's That's so a, many carbs yeah. in beer. Like you, pretty much. I I had I had some uh, bourbon last night, which I think is okay. But like you can't, you, the, no I, beer yeah, bourbon is even okay. But sure, I mean I like it too. Pretty much, it's, it's I think like vodka soda is like the limit of what you can have. Uh, you can't even squeeze the fucking lime in there because there's too much sugar in in your lime. It's I, a very restrictive diet. Yeah, I would, I would. But I love bacon, so I'm like, I'll works. give it a shot. Uh, yeah, I just looked up. Uh, so one ketone, acetone, um, a chemical found in nail polish can cause your breath to smell like nail polish. So if you have high levels of that, that's not a great. I'm, I'm not sure I've ever smelled someone's breath and noticed a nail polish he sent. But our friend Riley does it. Uh, she's she's done better at it than than I have. Uh, where she she's made it like a, at least a month. No, really? Doing it. And, any, yeah, oh. but it's so hard to maintain because sh- sugar is the most addictive thing out there. Worse than heroin, I think. I've never done heroin, but I assume it's similar. <laughs> <laughs> the, the craving. Like, I can't stop thinking. Like, I don't eat a meal and feel satisfied unless there's some sort of bread yeah. involved. It's such a weird thing. Like I've I've gotten so used to eating a sandwich or a burger or whatever. Like, now I can eat... Four eggs, 
a couple slices of bacon and an avocado and still like, there's the something missing. The, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, hey, you know what isn't isn't missing? The kind donations from oh, yes. our listeners who've gone to the Probably Science website and clicked on the donation button and set up monthly donations have come through since we recorded last. We, thank you very much, Karen Meeburn, James Casson. Uh, thank you, Alexander Jacobson. I think that's very kind me, of you. I think. Oh, very kind of you, it's Alexander. Thank here. you. Welcome to the gang. Thank you, Jacob Rochester and and Stuart Holding. And as always, Linda Moulton, you're ridiculous, and we appreciate you so much. I, we appreciate everyone, but we appreciate you a lot. A lot. So thank you, everyone. who, <laughs> Thank you, everyone, who's done that. That's very kind of you. Paying if you're not new, able to donate... To, oh, oh, what were you about to say? My new Power Wheels, thanks to... Linda. Oh, yeah, Andy's got loads of them now. If you're not able to donate, the other thing that you can do to help us, as always, is spreading the word, tweeting, Facebooking, writing nice things about us on iTunes and other podcast listening apps that let you rate things, giving us five-star ratings and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we've got time for... Do we have what's time for one more no, story? No, actually, I got I to gotta shower and get to work. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. All right. Well, then we got a couple of good stories saved up, ready for next week. Hey, Mitch. Yes. Where can our listeners find out about you and everything you do? Everything is Mitch Burrow on social media. So Twitter, Instagram, and my website is MitchBurrow.com. Uh, show dates are on there. And then I have a podcast on the Potaholics Network that you've been a guest on. I have been a guest on. Hopefully Andy will soon. I would love to. It's, it's called We're With Them. It's a uh, political podcast with uh, another Marine Corps veteran. I'm a Republican. He's a Democrat. And we uh, show that we can talk about politics uh, and, and make fun of it without hating each other most of the time. Well, that's it, nice. It's fun. Although you, you, you go in hard on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a fucking idiot. So <laughs> what am I going to do? I gotta check that out. It's it was a fun time. I did the episode about was it about a month ago about now? About a month ago, yeah. Check that out. It's it and the name of that again? It's We're With Them on the Potaholics Network. We will link to that in the show notes. We will link to everything there. Thank you very much for joining us, Mitch. You can find us individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen and collectively at Probably Science mm-hmm. on the Twitter. And probablyscience.com, probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address where you can send in questions, comments, clarifications, and stories you want us to cover. We'll be back next week. But once again, thanks, Mitch, and thank you, listeners. Yeah. Thanks, guys. 